You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Allison Renborg from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and you're listening to the monthly Equine Affair episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 21st. This episode is brought to you by Equine Affair. Good morning, Horse World. It's the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for the Equine Affair episode, North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining Allison and I on this third Thursday of the month. And of course, third Thursday of the month is always Equine Affair. And we are at, uh, what, less than two months away from the next Equine Affair? Don't say that, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it is in November, right? That is correct. November 9th through the 12th, if you hadn't figured that out by now. (laughs) And it's in Massachusetts. Correct. Eastern States Expo. And this is the this is really the equine affair that the uh, people who are shopping want to go to. One, you can buy Christmas gifts, but you can also buy yourself a lot of Christmas gifts. So it's pretty much just about buying stuff and also seeing some clinicians and things. But I think that when I was at the equine affair in Massachusetts, it was a lot about buying stuff. Uh, and you know what? I'm sure this year is going to be no different. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's the perfect way to kick off that Christmas shopping season. I mean, I know I'm in the mood to shop because I'm when I go, I'm like, oh, I, I need to take home presents for my little one. So, so now, so you're you're getting prepped, and I assume by now all your vendors are lined up, and you're getting the final things done for Equine Affair. Yes and no. You would be surprised how many last minute vendors we. Have. <laughs> But yes, we are. I actually just started the really intensive work I'm putting together our event program. And we were talking about when to get the final exhibitor lists in and we're pushing that as late as possible because we always have last minute additions. But we do have a big, uh, big trade show lined up already with lots of people committed early, which is what we like. But yeah, that's what we're on. So people can buy their tickets ahead of time. And also, it's time to book your hotel rooms. Now it's time to get serious about that. Yes, yes. The hotel discounts and blocks are pretty much good through most of October. But I would say if you haven't done it yet, go ahead and get those hotels booked. And we have a lovely list of host hotels on our website. I mean, Springfield's a good-sized town, but it's not Boston. So get your hotel rooms booked. What about the BH? RC. Yes. So by the time this episode airs, we'll have closed applications and we'll be working on selecting the lucky 25 competitors who are going to ride in the VHRC. But it's going to be a really good uh, competition this year. We always do our utmost to put together a challenging obstacle What's course. What's it stand for? It's the Versatile Horse and Rider Competition. Okay. And we're having somebody on to talk about that today, aren't we? We are. Actually, two people. Uh, The first is Greg Robinson. He is going to be our Ranch Horse Versatility Clinician, and he's also judging the event. So we're super excited to have Greg with us. And then our other guest is Noah Ratner. He is our announcer for Equine Affair, has been for the last three years. And this year, we're doing something a little different and new. Noah's going to MC the VHRC. So we wanted to have him on to talk about what he's looking forward to about, you know, judging it up a little bit, getting extra exciting. You still have one week left to score free tickets for Equine Affair in Massachusetts. And here's how. 
You can sign up for a volunteer spot by or before September 27th. And volunteers earn free admission and fun souvenirs. Plus, you get to work with people like me on a really cool event and meet some really great people and horses in the process. So if you are interested in volunteering and giving up a few hours of your time to get free admission to the event, visit equineaffair.com to sign up. All right, let's hear about uh, our first guest. Who do we have coming on? We have Greg Robinson. He's the owner-operator of Greg Robinson Horsemanship in Valley View, Texas. He is an 11-time world champion and multiple reserve world champion in every division of ranch versatility. He's bringing his expertise and talent for teaching to Equine Affair in Mass as our ranch horse versatility clinician. He'll also be judging the versatile horse and rider competition. Well, hi, Greg. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. So, Greg, I've already introduced you and told our audience a little bit about you, but I wanted to Uh ask you, yes, yes, you're in trouble. I wanted to ask you, uh, tell us about your experience with Equine Affair. Have you been to one before and what did you do there? You know, I went to the one in Pomona, California. Um, The first year I went there, I had a client's horse and, and went to the Craig Cameron Extreme Cowboy Challenge and uh, had a ball there and made the finals and then went back the next year, which would have been, I guess, the last year they were there, 2011, I think, mm-hmm. and um, brought a, a stud colt uh, that had never done that event and uh, ended up winning the the event there at uh, Pomona and ju- just had a ball. It was a great event and tons of people. It was, it was a very fun event. That's so awesome. I never got to go to our California events, but I hear about them all the time and I hear how, how good they were. And that's just, oh man, that's really cool that you were there in 2011 and then you'll actually be but, joining us soon. Oh, what were you going to say? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny when when I was talking to uh, somebody there in the office uh, here several months ago, right, right around the first of the year. Um, you know, I said I've always wanted to be, you know, a part of Equine Affair, and we were talking. What's your name? So I gave him my name. Have you ever been to one before? And I said, Well, I said, Were you with Equine Affair in Pomona? Yeah. And I said, Well, I won. I won the Craig Cameron Extreme Cowboy Challenge out there. And she goes, oh, you're that Greg Robinson. (laughs) I started laughing. I said, yes, ma'am, that'd be me. And yeah, we'd love to have you. I'm like, great. It's when the police say it that way that you're in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I, uh, absolutely. And I am very proud that I, I won't give away my age completely, but I'm past half a century. And I don't have that problem anywhere. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Allison's Glenn glad to hear it, problem. too. <laughs> Glenn has that problem. Yeah, right? I have it all the time. Matter of fact, somebody's knocking at the door. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, no. You, you, you hope you will. <laughs> so, Greg, were you teaching back then when you were competing, or has teaching become a new thing for you? Kind of tell us a little bit about that. No, I was I was doing um, I was showing a lot of horses for the public um, and giving a lot of lessons and doing clinics. Um, I'm originally from Idaho, 
and uh, that's kind of how I ended up moving to Las Vegas, which ended up moving me to California, which eventually ended up moving me to Texas, is the clinics. Um, uh, it was, oh my goodness, it 20 plus years ago, uh, somebody there in Idaho asked me to do a clinic, and I'm like, <laughs> me? And they're like, well, yeah, would you? And I'm like, I never done a clinic before, <laughs> but I did it, and, and and I had such a good time. And then, um, oddly enough, um, before Facebook and all that, uh, we got a home computer. I didn't even know how to turn on the dang thing, right? But my wife said, "Hey, there's this thing on here called Yahoo Chat, and they have horse chat." And I'm like, and you can talk to people with horses all over the world. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. So I got on that deal and, you know, would talk to people. And there was a gal, her and her husband owned a ranch and, and a big farm and raised some nice horses in North Dakota. And it happened to be calving season. So I was night calving and training all day. And, and we were talking about calving and I said, well, when do you have your Brandon's? And she told me and I said, well, man, I'd love to come. I'd love to come to your Brandon because I'll go anywhere to rope calves. I love to rope calves and drag them to the fire. And she said, well, Greg, I can't pay you to drive clear to North Dakota to brand calves. And I said, no, but you could put on a clinic. You could host a horsemanship clinic and I could come to a clinic that would pay for me to come have fun and rope calves. And that's how really how all this started is uh, that was my first out of state clinic. And um, they invited me back every year, every year, every year, and then twice a year. And it, it just kind of took off from there. And um, and I, I just love I love teaching. It's the most rewarding thing I get to do in my job is to teach. Well, that's so cool. And I like the way you think you're like, well, I want to go have fun. So how can I, how can I pay my way? Oh, I'll teach. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like anywhere I want to go, you know, uh, every year I take my kids back home to Idaho to, to go camp in the mountains and, and hide out and go fishing for a few days. And so I just go do a clinic or two that pays for the whole trip and then some, and, and we get to have a good time. And, you know, I've, I've taken my kids all over the United States and hey you want to see Mount Rushmore cool I'll book a clinic up there you know and <laughs> so, so uh, I'm very very blessed very fortunate to do what I do yeah it sounds like it and then I wanted to ask you you mentioned you were in Las Vegas and then California where in there did you end up in a movie because you were in a movie with three of your horses right yes I was yes I was how that um, happen? Well, it that happened. I was uh, I attended a cowboy church a few times uh, when I was visiting East Texas and met a, a guy named John Riggs, and he was the pastor there. And he ended up having the RFD TV show Cowboy Authentic, mm. and he contacted me and he said, "Hey, you're like into the Buckaroo Vaquero thing, right?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah." He said, "Could you get?" uh, a set up at a ranch, you know, out in your part of the world. Uh, and so we could do, we want to do a four, uh, four day series on 
episodes on the buckaroo style. Yeah, I could do that for you. So I set it up on the Gamble Wine Cup Ranch out in Nevada, which is over a million acres. And and he said, well, will you fly out with us? You know, it'd be nice if because you know the culture, you know the people. It'd just make things go a little smoother, not be awkward. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. So I flew out there with the crew. Well, Jeff Tucker of Flying T Entertainment uh, was doing the film work. And so... Fast forward a few months, I get a call from Jeff, and he said, hey, can you and your boys come uh, do a screen test? We need extras for a movie. And, and I said, well, yeah, my oldest boy in around. I said, well, Bucky and I can come. So we went and did a screen test, and and they said, well, we're going to use you. Uh, can you pick up a horse's hoof and ask somebody to hand you a nail? I'm like, yeah, I could probably pull that off. And... So, you know, I think, oh, that'll be kind of fun. Well, on Facebook, they had a, a page for the movie. And come to find out, Brad Johnson, who's been in like 40 major motion pictures with like Tom Selleck and Richard Dreyfus and stuff. He's the head guy in the movie. And I'm like, wow, we're going to get to meet Brad Johnson, probably. So then the producer calls and he says, hey, um, log into the actors only thing on the website you're sam in the movie i was like all right so i look it up and it's a it's a a part in the movie <laughs> and i gotta be doing a sit-down scene with brad johnson so i call this guy back up and i'm going um pete you know i'm just a cowboy right <laughs> i'm not an actor but he goes oh no you'll be fine so then they were needing some horses, and, and so I took my stud Playboy down there and Gildan and my gray mare that will be at Equine Affair um, and uh, went down there because they said, hey, have you got some other horses? Yeah. So I went down with my horses, and and Brad Johnson just fell in love with my stud horse. So actually every scene that he's in the movie on a horse, he's on my stud, and he he, he didn't need a stunt double he he roped to steer on him and everything so it was just a really cool experience you know and and i owe it all to the horses uh i've been in different countries and and uh, i've ridden my horse through central park new york city and i mean i've been all over anywhere i wanted to go and it's all because of horses so i own my very best because they sure led me to a really beautiful life yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, you can take your kids anywhere you want. You can go anywhere you want. You can be in the movies. You can, <laughs> I mean, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. How did you get into ranch versatility? Because that's sort of the thing that you do the most and that you, I would assume, are the best at. You've got 11, you're an 11-time world champion, multiple reserve world champion. Ranch versatility yes, is your thing. Tell me, tell me about that. Well, you know... It's, it stems from um, my teen years when I went in Buckarood and, and, you know, I worked on a lot of big ranches in Nevada and Wyoming, Idaho, Utah. Um, so I'm really in love with with the Vaquero style of, of doing things. And then I ended up getting in the performance world. So I just kind of blended those two things together. Um, and then I really got involved in the NRHA showing just rainers. 
And there for several years, I thought, well, that's that's what I am. I'm Rainer guy, you know. And uh, but I still took my my Rainers, my show horses, to like Brandon's and stuff. I still said, you know what, it's important for this horse to have a job outside of that arena. And I found such great value in that um, that my show horses didn't get show sour and and stupid in the show pin because they were actually really broke because I could like ride across cricks and open gates and and rope off of them. You know, they weren't just spinning slide horses. And so when ranch versatility first started taking off, oh, that had to have been. I don't know, 15 plus years ago, I guess, was when it first started kind of catching hold. And I was so excited because I said, this is just my game because versatility has always been my thought. I don't want to have one horse that I say, okay, this is my reiner and this is my rope horse and this is my trail horse and so on and so forth. I want to be able to say, this is my horse. And I can rain on him, and I can drag calves to the fire on him, and I can ride him up through the mountains and across creeks and work cattle. Whatever I want to do, I can do on that horse. And so it just fit fit my style of horsemanship perfectly. So um, I got got pretty involved in showing in in that, and I've I've been pretty blessed to to do quite well at it. Yeah, and then we're excited to have you in Massachusetts this fall. You're going to be a clinician. You're our ranch versatility clinician. So what are you hoping to talk about at the show? What can people learn from you at the event this fall? Well, number one, I'm I'm so excited to be coming. Uh, I, I've been talking about it since they said, hey, you want to come? I'm like, hey, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. It's, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get there. You know, and and I could take up the whole time, uh, all day, every day there. I wish I could, uh, because <laughs> I just love sharing what I do. Um, but what to expect is um, to hear things you've never heard in your life that are going to make you scratch your head and go, but that's that's not what everybody teaches. And I can show you that, yeah. It works, and, and it's easy. There are, there are certain things that whether we are um, ranch people, show people, English riders, it's all just horsemanship. The rules are all the same. And if we simplify things and take into deep consideration how horses move naturally, when we're not up there in the middle of them screwing up their world. Um, and we think about common sense and physics, a lot of the things that we've been taught straight across the board, whether we're taught English or Western are straight up incorrect. And, and I challenge that. Um, I got to a place in my personal journey as a horseman and, and I hate I hate to even say this because it sounds boastful and I don't mean it that way, but I got to a point where I was really struggling with the fear of being stagnant, which I still struggle with it because I, I don't ever want to get stagnant. I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. I want to do better. And I want to do better by my horses. 
and I couldn't find anybody to really ride with that either I already know what they know or I know what they do and I don't particularly like it. So I I was in a, a strange place there for a while, and then I thought, well, well, disregard what the two-leggers say. What do you say? And I took it to the horse, and that's when everything changed for me. Um, I started changing body position, leg position, definitely where I was looking, and everything got so much easier. And I was like, why does nobody teach this? So, you know, I, I kind of say it as a joke, but I say, you know, I don't know who the original dude was that back in the dark ages was riding one around and looked pretty good. And he just said, this is how it's done. And everybody went, oh, okay. And it just became biblical that that's how you ride. And, and nobody ever questioned it. And I got to a place where I just started questioning everything I'd been taught. And um, a lot of it, I threw right out the window. And uh, I'm very glad I did because it makes things go so much easier. Uh, the lessons I just did this morning, <laughs> they were like, you've got to be kidding me. It's that easy. And I said, yes, ma'am, sure is. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I kid around and I say, well, I think I come up with most of my theories is because by nature, I'm kind of a lazy son of a buck. I don't want to have to work that hard to train a horse. I need to remember and, that for the rest of my life. I need that statement <laughs> right there. <laughs> You know, I say it jokingly, but it, there's some honesty to that. <laughs> I, to I think that's that. true of all of us in many ways, isn't it? You know, if if nothing else, I'm dang sure going to be pretty brutally honest, even with myself. But The course um, of least resistance, that's what we all try to take. Water does it. I mean, water finds the course of least resistance, and I think humans try to, too. Right. And there's so many little things... Um, that I cannot wait to share with the folks up there. Um, like leg position, uh, you watch people, they'll push their, their, their lower leg way off of the horse and wonder why the horse isn't falling into that opening. So, and I'm going to do this in, in front of the crowd there. If you set your hand, say you're opening up your right leg to, to get that horse to turn right, if you raise your thigh up off your saddle and set the palm of your hand between your saddle and your thigh and let your leg down, and then you flare your leg open like you were doing, you will, you will find that it basically crushes your hand, that you can't even pull your hand out from under your own leg. And the more you try to flare your leg off of that horse, the more pressure you're putting on that horse. Mm-hmm. But if Turn your toe out and open your thigh. Relax your thigh muscle and flare your thigh open. Your hand lifts right out. So there's little differences like that that nobody really thinks about. And it's the kind of stuff that keeps me up and in the arena at 3 a.m. Because I'm pretty obsessed with this and how to make it more refined and easier. So it's little things like that that I'm really excited to share with everybody up there. 
Well, yeah. And we're excited to have you. I was looking at our schedule. Looks like you were presenting three times on Thursday, including first thing in the morning. And then also on Friday, and then also on Friday, you are judging our versatile horse and rider competition. And I'm even more excited having heard you talk about versatility and your passion for that, that you're going to be judging our big versatile competition. What do you, are you looking forward to that? Have you seen that competition before? You know, I've, I've had some uh, acquaintances that have ridden there uh, in the past and, and actually told me, you really need to enter that. You really need to enter that. And, and I always wanted to, but uh, just with scheduling, it never happened. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to coming up and judging that. And um, uh, in, in judging, because I'm a pretty nice guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I try not to pencil whip everybody. So, uh, you know, admittedly, my scores are probably going to be a little more generous than a lot of judges, <laughs> but everybody gets placed where they're supposed to be placed. Um, I, uh, I know what I expect to see. And, and especially after year, after year, after year, after year of riding in the same show pen with, you know, guys like Bud Lyons and Steve Meadows, uh, um, Aaron Ralston, you know, I, I show against the best there is in ranch versatility. And, and so I know exactly what I'm looking for. And, um, and, and I want to encourage the competitors there that afterwards, um, if you have questions about your score, whether you don't know how come you scored that low or how come I scored you that high, you know, come find me. I'm, I've got a booth there. Um, something I want folks to understand. The second I step out of my truck there till the time the dust settles and it's all over and I'm leaving, I'm, I'm there to help everybody. I, I will make time. I don't care if I sit at my booth till 3 a.m. visiting with folks. That's fine by me. That's why I'm coming. And if you have questions about your scores or how you can improve your performance, I want people to come find me. And uh, I can promise you I'll make time for everybody. Well, and that's what Equine Affair is all about. So if you want to come learn about versatility or just get a different perspective on horsemanship, definitely come to Equine Affair, find Greg, talk to Greg. This is Greg Robinson. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Greg. We really appreciated having you. Oh, it was my pleasure. I had a great time. I really look forward to getting up there and meeting all you folks and riding around and, and uh, just having a ball. Speaking of the versatile horse and rider competition, Chewy is the official sponsor of it. You may be familiar with Chewy from ordering supplies for your dogs and cats, but did you know you can also order supplies for your horses? Check out Chewy.com for all your horse supply needs, from feed to treats to first aid, grooming supplies, tack, blankets, and much more. That's Chewy.com. And next up, we have Noah Ratner. Noah has spent 25 years in the dressage world. He is a USEF Level 5 show manager, a member of the USEF Dressage Sport Committee, the general manager of Devonwood Equestrian Center in Sherwood, Oregon, and a talented and hardworking announcer. 
We were lucky enough to snag Noah as the official voice of Equine Fair three years ago, and we're delighted to have him on the show today to chat about all things dressage, announcing, and of course, Equine Affair. And did I mention he's also a master scuba diver trainer and a wedding officiant? Please welcome my good friend Noah to the show. You're going to love him. Hi, Noah, my coffee buddy. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you doing? We're doing great. We're having way too much fun, but it's about to get more fun because you're here now. So <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh, I've had you on the show before, before we were part of Horses in the Morning. So we're just going to pretend like that an interview didn't happen and we're going to start fresh. So tell, gosh, I've already introduced you. You have so many cool things. You do so many cool things. But why don't we start with announcing uh, because if our listeners can't tell, you are an announcer. So what do you do? Well, um, I have been at this for quite some time now, but um, I started out announcing little horse shows in Oregon um, about 20 plus years ago um, and uh, and have just kind of expanded the business um, over the years. And as I travel from state to state, uh, new people would hear my voice and ask me if I would be interested in doing fill in the blank kind of show. And, uh, and so I have gradually, um, increased from going coast to coast and corner to corner, um, all throughout the United States and Canada. And, um, and now I announce at some of the major, um, international equestrian events throughout North America and uh, including the equine affair. Well, that's sweet of you to include us in the. <laughs> absolutely it's one it's one of the beacons on my calendar so what's the hardest thing about announcing like if you looking back over your experience what's the hardest thing the thing that people don't think about when they think oh you're an announcer you must do x but what's hard about it you know i think especially in context of announcing with equestrian events is that uh, people often forget that uh, horses are animals and animals are inherently unpredictable and horses are flight animals. And uh, and with any event that we're at anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world for that matter, horses will do whatever they want to do. And I think one of the hardest parts about being an announcer is being immediately adaptable to any situation that you might encounter, whether it's in a ring or it's in an expo or it's in a performance, um, and just being ready to, um, to be empathetic and to be patient and to allow the horses to get themselves back under control if something has gone awry and um, and allow the handler or rider or lunger whatever capacity the person that is involved with the horse um, is uh, serving um, give them an opportunity to get the situation back under control so that everybody can be successful do you know john kyle the the international announcer you probably run into john i'm sure I do, yes. Yeah. John's a good friend of ours, and the first time I heard him say when one of those things happened at a major show, the first time I heard him say in his British accent, well, that was unfortunate, it just <laughs> cracked me up, because it was just, that was unfortunate is a way of saying things have gone terribly wrong, but, you know, it doesn't sound bad, you know, it just sounds like it's unfortunate. Yeah, so, Absolutely. When I heard totally that statement the first time, I went, John, that's a winner right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is unfortunate. <laughs> yes, it, it was in many ways. <laughs> that's one of, 
one of my one of my favorite judges in the dressage world um, is a FBI five star. So he's one of the judges that's qualified to judge at the Olympic Games and World Championships. And um, one of his specialties is with the young horse classes. And um, and uh, you know, with young horses, again, um, they will do what they want to do. They're still new to the game and they're still learning the process. Um, and at the end of the test, the judges give a debrief um, that is done verbally to the rider. And um, when something didn't go to plan, uh, he always begins it with sadly today and uh and so i think of that the same way <laughs> yeah, saying, well, that was unfortunate yeah <laughs> <laughs> sadly today <laughs> you sadly do develop today. those little catchphrases though as an announcer don't you <laughs> that's exactly right yeah do you find yourself do you catch yourself trying to not say them as often you know uh because we all have catchphrases. I've been doing this for 14 years, and I still say uh, certain things that I wish I didn't say. <laughs> um, so Allison knows this from before, uh, but the the start of my entire announcing career happened when I was probably age seven. And, um, and I was at a horse show that my sister was competing at up in Washington State. And um, a very, very good friend of mine um, by the name Joyce Stride, um, is the person responsible for launching me into this whole business. And uh, she is the Oregon Dressage Society historian, but she also used to serve as the announcer for a lot of our events. And um, and Joyce taught me one of the very first the microphone when I was seven years old um, was to announce the official showtime. And so I feel compelled every time I pick up the microphone to say the official showtime is. And uh, and I always think of Joyce when I say that, because for the very first time that I announced that on the microphone at the horse show that she taught me, I probably announced the official showtime every 90 seconds of the entire weekend. <laughs> and so by the end of the weekend, people definitely knew what time it was. Um, and that became my catchphrase that I've used ever since. And I think of her every single time, and it makes me chuckle. As America's horse husband, hearing the official showtime every 90 seconds at a show I really don't want to be at in the first place, I would have shot you. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, that would have been understandable. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, for, for us non-horse husbands, for our horse women, are we horse wives? What are we? You're just um, horse people. See, you, you just, qualify as a horse, horse person. We're just horse husbands. And as our horse people, we forget what time it is uh, anytime, which is why we can go to the barn for half an hour and then come back eight hours later. That is so true. It's very handy to have mm. an announcer who can tell us the official showtime every 90 seconds. You know, <laughs> we just need that. No, how do you do the names? The names of the people and the names of the horses. I am not good at names. Everybody knows that on this show. And I get them wrong all the time. How, how do you do the names? Well, I think um, the way that I do names um, is through a basic love of language, um, and I aspire to be a polyglot, and I speak Spanish fluently, I speak German um, with a certain degree of fluency, I'm still working on it, and a handful of other languages that I dabble in. And I think just being aware, um, especially in the horse world, people are trying to do a play on words or a play on names um, or a reference to someone. So being aware of modern culture and absolutely being aware of historical names um, definitely helps me um, guide myself through pronunciation of various names within the horse world. And, um, and I think... Beyond that, um, practice, practice, practice. Um, every time I go to a show, I get the roster of all the competitors, and I go through every single name in the book um, and make sure that I feel comfortable saying the horse's name. 
And uh, if I don't, um, I will reach out to the owner of the horse and ask them to send me a recording of it just to make sure that I get it right. Um, because I think people spend so much time and so much of their resources and energy um, into presenting us and sharing their horses with us. The least I can do is get their horse's name correctly. Yeah, you're right about that. And we've had Larry Colmas on the show over the past years, the Triple Crown announcer. Have you ever done a race? I've not. Would you <laughs> would, would you want to? Would, I would I would be terrified to do a race. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have so much respect for those guys because the speed that they're going is a hundred times faster than a hundred times faster than what we have to go. Mm. Um, Maybe and, a thousand uh, times and, and faster the, than dressage, actually, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fa- the fastest that I have to think um, is in the versatile horse and rider competition at the equine affair. And uh, that is uh, going at warp speed and uh, and trying to just stay with the horse through the moment. <laughs> one horse. Well, we asked one <laughs> yeah. horse and one yeah. rider. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, and, for now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, for now. Maybe we'll start doing a, a you know, two at a once, but uh, or a relay, <laughs> or a relay. Oh, that's I like a good that. idea, actually. <laughs> that is a good. Yeah, I'll have to tell Kogi. I'll do a relay we, BHRC. <laughs> we are leveling up. Yeah, she'll she'll be t- talking to the insurance company about that one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of leveling up, something kind of fun and new that you're going to do with us this fall is MC. Actually, MC the VHRC. How are you feeling about that? I am super excited. Uh, this is my third year um, coming to the Equine Affair and seeing the versatile horse and rider competition. And it is one of my favorite parts of the competition. Uh, don't tell Roberta, who uh, I actually got roped into this entire endeavor with um, to help be the voice for Fantasia. Um, but it is probably the thing that I look forward to the very most at this event um, is the VHRC. And I just think that uh, versatility of these horses is absolutely incredible. Um, it's so much fun to see uh, horses and riders that are coming from so many different disciplines and so much um, degree of experience, um, whether they're coming from dressage world or uh, reining world or some kind of livestock work um, or Western pleasure. It doesn't matter. Uh, they're all on the same playing field. And each one of those horses and riders is bringing their own level of expertise in something specific. And it's so much fun to see what that is as they work their way through the competition. And I just think um, I'm excited to be the voice of it to help um, shed some more light on um, maybe what the riders um, have provided to us and the information, their backstory, um, and maybe some of the obstacles or challenges that their horses are presented with on the course um, and being able to highlight uh, why that particular obstacle or why that particular challenge might have been something that they excelled at. Um, and I, I think that um, I'm just I, I think it's a fantastic event and uh, and I look forward to it every single um, equine affair. One of our regular guests here over the years on the show has been Stefan Peters and also on the dressage show that we do. Uh, what's your relationship with him? You know, I have known of Stefan since I was a little kid and he is an icon in dressage sport, um, both in the United States and globally. And um, I'm so happy to see that Stefan continues to have such resounding success um, as he matures through the years and, uh, and continues to be really an ambassador for U.S. dressage. Um, and what he's done for the sport uh, with the Rave Horse uh, at the Tokyo Olympic Games um, to everything that he does to support our sport 
um, on a national level um, and be an ambassador everywhere he goes uh, for USA Dressage is just tremendous. Um, he's uh, been a clinician at my venue in Oregon. Um, I see him uh, on a frequent basis uh, at the CDI competitions that I announce at. And he's just an overall good human. He and is. And, you know, you get what you you get. You see what you get with Stefan. There's not a lot hidden Absolutely. there. You know, he's just a Absolutely. good guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I agree. I, I, he's one of the he's one of the ones, you know, we hear so much bad. He's one of the good. I think that's absolutely right. And I think uh, just like the VHRC, the Versatile Horse and Rider competition at Equine Affair, when I saw Stefan's name pop up on the roster of featured clinicians at this year's Equine Affair, I did a little happy dance because he <laughs> is such a great representative for our sport. And I am so excited for the people in the Northeast to experience him firsthand. And I think it's just going to be a great show and a great opportunity. Oh, no. The VHRC is Friday, November the 10th okay. at 1 or one thirty. I think we've we've changed up the time a couple times, but okay. either 1 or one thirty on Friday in the Coliseum. So you want to be there on Friday to see that and to, to see Noah do his thing. I wanted to mention to auditors to hang on for the post show because Noah's going to hang around and we're going to talk to him about some embarrassing things. We'll do that. In the, <laughs> we'll do that in the post show. So, Noah, Whoa. thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to hang out with you for, for a few minutes here, and we look forward to seeing you, Noah. November. Likewise. Thanks so much. So where do people go again to get their tickets and hotels? You only have less than two months now, people. You will go to equineaffair.com. That's where you can buy your tickets for Equine Affair and also for Fantasia, which is our nighttime show. We haven't talked about Fantasia yet this episode, but you don't want to miss Fantasia. And we have one more episode, I guess, before the show in November. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's getting it. real close. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's only one more episode. <laughs> so we'll see everybody next month. As I said, Equine Affair is always here the third Thursday of the month. And that'll only be a couple of weeks before the next one. And then we'll be thinking holidays and Christmas and Radiothon and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the holiday season this year only because it will finally be under 90 degrees here in Florida by the time it comes around. <laughs> that's a good reason <laughs> yeah. to look forward to it. <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Thank you, and we'll see you at Equine Affairs.